Girlfriends, episode number 20. Soften your heart, bless your marriage. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome. Glad you're here for another week, another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast, episode number 20, it turns out. Nice round number, nice milestone. feel like we should be having a party or something this week. It really is a milestone for me, though. I'm really um, happy to be at this point in the podcast to have figured out a lot of the stuff that I figured out along the way to be comfortably kind of producing these each week, making it work, making it fit with my schedule, even though sometimes it's a little tricky. But yeah, I'm happy to be at episode number 20, and I I hope to do many more. Um, For a future episode, um, I invited my husband Dan on, and he has not said no yet. So maybe for like 50th. I don't know. We'll see. What do you think? Let me know if you uh, want to have a guy. Dan would, of course, be the only guy I would ever let on the Girlfriends podcast or, you know. Anyway, so uh, that might be coming up for a future milestone of the podcast. But right now, I'm happy and I'm proud to be at episode number 20. It's been a great learning process for me. Um, I'm going to be 44 next month. And something I've discovered as I'm growing in my old age is... I am really reluctant to learn new things. I just get set in my ways and get very comfortable in things I know and how things work. And like, especially with technology or something new gets thrown at me, I often am reluctant in a way that I never was previously. I used to love to learn every new thing, every new gadget, every new kind of thing online that you can do, ways of communicating. So it's really been um, kind of me forcing myself through this process, which I think has been very good for me. And it's something I've kind of learned about myself as I've been working on the podcast, the different kinds of um, things that I procrastinate on, the things that I'm reluctant to do, the things I'm reluctant to learn, the things I push back against or just kind of reject. And so it's been a very good learning process for me, not just exploring the different topics that we talk about here, which is great, and not just talking to the great guests that I have all the time, which is also awesome. I love having the excuse to talk to all these wonderful women and really be encouraged and inspired by them. But also just that learning about me, how I learn things and how I handle new situations and challenges. And it's been very good for me in that way. And I hope to continue doing that with other things beyond podcasting in my life. Um, Let's see, I want to share a little bit about what's going on in my world right now. I'm happy to not be traveling as much. Um, You know, I kind of had a crazy spring for travel, which I shared with you. And now I'm just home a lot more. Well, except for baseball. There's always baseball. But I'm in the area a lot more. And so that's been really great. And uh, it's been, I think, good for my family life, for my home life. I'm able to focus more. My son, Eamon, who was away at college this year, our first child who's been away at college is home. He came home and it's like a big party every day. (laughs) The little boys just love him so much. And they're so happy he's home that, you know, I remembered years ago, a mom who had grown kids away at college, she shared with me at the time I had, you know, a bunch of little kids and was kind of looking at her as my future. And she said, yeah, it's hard when they go away, but it's so great when they come home. And I've really been experiencing that this past week, that it's so nice to have him here. It changes the family dynamic in a really wonderful way. He's enormously helpful. He's uh, driving people around. He's got a car. He's available. You know, of course, he's going to be working full time this summer. But um, and even just him spending time with the little boys is so valuable. It's such a beautiful relationship. And him spending time with his brother, who is graduating high school this year, looking to go away to college next year. And um, I've really enjoyed watching their relationship and, and them reconnecting and staying up late at night talking. And uh, the two of them kind of worked on a project moving into our spare bedroom together. And it looks like a a boy's dorm in there now. (laughs) They've got the posters on the wall. They've got a bunk bed in there. And uh, so really, uh, I'm really enjoying that part of our family life right now. 
I mentioned that my son Ambrose is graduating from high school this year. And so we're kind of planning his party and such. And I want to share with you, it was the cutest thing. He was um, talking with me about his party. And I was saying, you know, what kind of party do you want to have? And we were planning the date for it. And usually we invite family members and whatnot. And and he was, you know, pretty, pretty noncommittal and said, you know, invite whoever you want. It doesn't matter. But then he came to me later and said, you know, I was thinking about the, the graduation party and um, maybe we should just invite cool people. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I was thinking he meant like his just his friends from school or I don't know what. And so I said, okay, so who who would be on that list? And he said, well, Grandpa. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> so Grandpa's the coolest person my son Ambrose knows at the age of 17. And I think that's pretty awesome. That is my husband's dad who lives alone. He lives nearby and our eight kids are his only grandkids. So I'm for sure going to be sharing that story with him. And he for sure is going to be invited to the cool kids uh, graduation party that's going to be taking place next month. Um, I also wanted to update you. We've been talking a little bit about our fitness goals, and I shared about the app that I've been using to kind of track calories, and I'm continuing to do that. Um, I will not weigh myself, so I don't know what kind of progress I'm making in one direction or the other, but I feel good about the kinds of nutritional choices I'm making. And then one thing that I've been exploring, because part of this app is if you want to, it will track your steps for you. I know a lot of people are really into the Fitbit and the fitness trackers of different kinds. And so I was looking at that. And it looks like the recommended number is 10,000. And anyway, in my exploring of this whole idea of tracking steps and how much you need to move, I kind of came across this article that was talking about how sitting is the new smoking, meaning it is so bad for our health and people don't recognize just how bad it is, how much we sit and how much we're sedentary during the day. And it was good for me to read that because you know, I tend to be pretty physically active. I feel pretty active in the things I do around the house, but also I make running a regular part of what I do, running and walking and hiking. And I make sure I'm doing something like that pretty much every day. So I feel pretty good about it. But then in this article, it was saying, even if you have times in your day that are set aside for exercise, like say you run for an hour every day, if you're spending the rest of your day, like sitting at a computer or large chunks of the rest of your day sitting, that's really bad. And it's really bad for your metabolism. It's really bad for your heart. And it's not what we're made to be as physical creatures. We're meant to be moving around more than that. So I've been exploring different options of like standing workspace because my work really does require me to be sitting. Um, you know, with the kids that we homeschool, I'm usually sitting, helping them with their work or um, my work for the magazines. I'm sitting at a computer at a desk or even just with a laptop sitting on a couch somewhere. So my newest obsession is I'm figuring out how to have a standing workspace. Um, I've enlisted the help of my husband, Dan, to help me uh, set up uh, the treadmill so that I could possibly have a walking workspace. I've heard some about that and seen some people who have success doing that. And not to always be standing or walking when I'm working on the computer, but just so it's an option, you know, even if you just spend part of your day that's working, um, standing or walking while working at a time when you would otherwise be sitting, you know, it looks like that's really um, a healthful thing to do. So I'd love to hear from you if you have experience with these kinds of things, if you've made standing or a working workspace part of your routine. Let me know how it's worked for you and what kind of tools you've used to accomplish that in your life because uh, something that I'm really kind of obsessing about at the moment. But we need to get to today's topic. So um, I'm calling today's topic, Soften Your Heart, Bless Your Marriage. And um, really the idea is it's coming from that uh, scripture passage, which is, you know, harden not your hearts. You know, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. It's something that's really kind of that that scripture has always stood out to me because it's something that I think we women do. I mean, I, of course, men do it, too. But heart, that idea of hardening your heart, I think that women especially have this beautiful gift of gentleness, of sensitivity, of compassion, these ways in which we are naturally meant to bless our families and bless the world. And Sometimes we work against that gift inside of our marriages, especially in a detrimental way. So I want to share some ideas here today about ways in which we might harden our hearts in our marriage and ways in which we can work toward softening our hearts so that we can bless our marriages. 
So first of all, does that idea resonate with you? Do you have a concept for what it means to harden your heart? Um, Are you aware sometimes of ways you might be doing that inside of your relationships? I know I sure am. Um, You know, this, this idea of being receptive, as we women are, that we're we're naturally meant to be receptive to other people. That means having an openness to other people, a softness, a gentleness about us that is welcoming and inviting and open, of course, to God, to our relationship to God, but also in our relationship with other human beings. And especially inside of our marriages, we're meant to be receptive. And now that doesn't mean being a doormat. It doesn't mean letting people walk all over you or letting your your husband decide everything or something like that. That's not what I'm advocating here. But it really is one of our God-given gifts as women, that idea of being receptive to others. And when we sometimes, out of defensiveness, out of anger, out of woundedness, uh, harden our hearts to kind of defense, defend ourselves, to protect ourselves from being hurt further, that that's something that's really detrimental to our marriages. So in the, the first thing I want to point out is that idea of receptivity. Um, you know, there's lots you can read about it inside of Theology of the Body, but um, one book that's really helpful, I think, in this regard is Pat Gone's book, which is called Blessed, Beautiful, and Bodacious, which is a hilarious title. And if you know Pat Gone, it's like the perfect title for her book. Uh, she's a riot, and she's an excellent writer and really just a well-rounded, educated Catholic woman who shares beautifully about what our calling is as women and with different chapters on these different kinds of strengths uh, that are unique to women. And she shares very beautifully about what receptivity means and what it is um, and what it's not, that it's not that idea of being a doormat. It's really a very beautiful concept that Mary models for us beautifully. So I'll put a link to that um, book in the show notes. But in the meantime, I just want to, I want to talk about that idea of receptivity, about being vulnerable in a way that we women uniquely are inside of our relationships. Because we do, we open our hearts to other people and that makes us vulnerable. It makes us vulnerable to being hurt. And I think a lot of times inside of our marriages, um, I know I've experienced this over the years, you know, um, Dan and I have been married almost 22 years now, and you, you don't go through that without some major ups and downs and all kinds of in between. And what I have noticed about myself during tough times in our marriage is that I will close off that kind of receptivity that's meant to be a blessing inside of my relationship with my husband, that's meant to be a marriage feeding, a marriage enriching um, element of our marriage and of our relationship, that I will close that part of me off out of defensiveness, out of being hurt, out of wanting to avoid allowing him to hurt me or take advantage of me. Um, You know, not that he's necessarily looking to do those things, but, you know, we hurt each other inside of marriage sometimes. And Um, whether we mean to or not. And we mess up in a thousand ways inside of our relationships in ways that wound the people that we love. And so knowing that, knowing that to open your heart to somebody else, to be vulnerable and to be receptive in that way is opening yourself up potentially to be hurt. I think sometimes that's a big hurdle that we have inside of our marriages. That's a big way in which we're sometimes tempted to harden our hearts. You know, harden not your heart. That's what scripture is telling us. And yet we we have that inclination to do that kind of out of self-preservation. And um, so I think, you know, first of all, I just would like to encourage you to think about that idea of receptivity, to think about that idea of vulnerability and openness to your husband inside of your relationship. And, and where do you stand with that? How are you doing with that? You know, examine yourself and examine your relationship with regard to that. Examine what your usual response is to being hurt or feeling misunderstood or feeling neglected inside of marriage. And secondly, I want you to look at your habits. This is a helpful exercise, I think, um, especially inside of any ongoing relationship. We all kind of fall into patterns in our communication and in our relationship with people that we're dealing with every day. So, you know, we all develop habits for good or for bad inside of what we're doing inside of our marriages. So if you're communicating or, you know, inside of a relationship with your husband every day, there are ways in which you handle that communication that happens every day that are just a matter of habit at this point. And you don't even think about it. You know, he does X, you do Y. He he does Z, you do B. That So I think it's important to kind of examine what those habits are because they can be great. 
you can have really good habits, but you can have really bad ones too. You can have ones that are damaging and are, are hurting inside of your marriage. Ones that are based on pride or defensiveness, like I mentioned previously, that that idea of protecting yourself from being hurt inside of a relationship, especially if you've been hurt in that relationship before, or if you've been hurt inside of other relationships. I know um, I have one uh, girlfriend who is really struggling with the idea of trusting her husband. And it's not because of anything he did. It's because of the ways in which she's been hurt in other relationships, other family relationships in her life. And so that's really an obstacle that she faces inside of her marriage to open her heart in that way, to soften herself in that way. Sometimes the temptation is to just harden ourselves, be that tough chick. I don't care, you know. I can take you or leave you is the message that we give our spouse when we harden ourselves in that way. So I'm asking you to kind of think about what your habits are inside of your communication. If your husband says something that you interpret as hurtful, or if he says something you interpret as, you know, stupid or neglectful or unkind to you in some way, or if he does something that's any of those things, what's your immediate response? Is your immediate response to assume the worst and, uh, Cover yourself, protect yourself, harden yourself, lash back in a worse way, um, or just close off, stop communicating. I mean, we do all of these things, right? I mean, I think that these are all mistakes that we make inside of our relationships. And over the course of time, they can become a damaging habit. They become part of who you are as a couple, part of how you relate to each other. I know at different points in my marriage, I've kind of, you know, at a very low point, thought to myself, how the heck did we get here? Like, I feel I'm in the bottom of a pit and we can't even talk to one another. And it's really important to kind of backtrack and look at how you got there. What kinds of habits were you adopting without thinking about it? And, um, you know, of course, I'm talking to women here because this is the Girlfriends podcast. Of course, this works on both sides. But I'm only talking to you about what you can do. You can't change what your husband's going to do or say, but you can change what you're going to do or say in response to the things he does or says. And, you know, I'm not talking about abusive relationships here. I, I meant to say that at the beginning. This is the caveat. When I'm talking about marriages, I'm talking about the everyday, normal, generally healthy marriages um, that aren't ongoing abuse kinds of situations because, you know, these kinds of things won't apply to those relationships that are warped and twisted and broken in fundamental ways. But, you know, we're all warped and twisted and broken in small ways inside of our relationships and especially inside of our marriages. So, um, you know, what I'm talking about here today are ways in which you can control what happens inside of your marriage, what happens inside of the kind of communication habits you've developed. Now, these might extend beyond what goes on inside of your marriage, but I think our marriages are such an ongoing, everyday, intimate relationship that they're a good place to examine what our approach is to relationships with other people. They're a good place to find out how open we are, how willing to be vulnerable we are, how how soft we're willing to be, how how we're willing to humble ourselves in that way in um in order to develop a relationship in order to grow together as a couple and even inside of your own path toward holiness, because ultimately that's what our marriages are, you know, that we're, we're getting each other to heaven. And part of the way your spouse is going to get you to heaven is by challenging you inside of these fundamental ways. I think it's important to note that gentleness and softness inside of our relationships over the course of time are the things that really meaningful relationships are built on. That hardness that we're tempted to do, and I'm speaking from experience because I've done it too, that you know, that hardness that we're tempted to take on to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves, to make ourselves less vulnerable, ultimately comes at the cost of our own happiness inside of that relationship. Because the way in which we find meaning inside of relationships is through intimacy. And the way in which we're going to find that intimacy is by making ourselves vulnerable, not by closing ourselves off, not by being a tough chick who can take it or leave it, um, not by being somebody who's cold and distant inside of a relationship. That's not where we find meaning inside of our human existence. It's through the other thing. And we all know that. We know that in our hearts. And yet, out of weakness and out of fear sometimes, we we 
grab the other thing, the easy thing, the thing that's going to quickly defend us and quickly protect us in a, a way that we think is going to prevent us from being harmed further. But the ultimate cost of that is a much deeper wound. It's a much greater loss. So I'm encouraging you in this talk here to examine that part of your life, examine that part of your marriage and your relationship. You might have a wonderful marriage, but there might be some small ways in which you sometimes do practice this kind of hardness of heart towards your husband inside of your relationship out of defensiveness. Or this might be an ongoing major issue for you. And maybe you, you know, you need a major intervention, but I, you know, whatever level you're at inside of your marriage, I know that this is a very common temptation. It's a very common mistake that we make that we think is going to help us. We're, we're thinking it's going to make us feel better, at least in the short term, but ultimately the long-term cost is of our happiness inside of that relationship. Lastly, I want to mention how we look at our husbands, the kind of hardness that we might have in looking at our husbands, the kind of vision we have of the man that we married. And this is hard. Because especially in hard times, and especially if he's being a big fat J-E-R-K, and we know they all are sometimes, we all are sometimes, it's hard to kind of take that bigger per- perspective, that bigger picture, take that step back and see your husband for the person that God means him to be, for the person that God made him to be. But I find that this is a very helpful practice in my own marriage that that idea of taking the step back and even in a tough moment, or especially in a tough moment, when you're tempted to be defensive, when you're tempted to harden your heart against your husband out of self-preservation, out of defensiveness, that there's this idea that um, Alice von Hildebrandt talked about in her book, um, Letters to a Young Bride, which was about marriage. It's a, a beautiful book. If you haven't read it, I really recommend that you do. Alice von Hildebrandt is an amazing woman, so beautifully wise. And on the topic of marriage, she just writes so beautifully. Um, the book is a compilation of letters that she wrote to a young woman who was a newlywed in her life, kind of advice on marriage. And anyway, one of the concepts she talks in there about is this idea of Tabor vision inside of marriage. And what she's talking about is, you know, the Tabor vision of Jesus at um, the Transfiguration, um, when those he was with saw him briefly, however so briefly, on the mountain for who he was, for the God that he was, that they, you know, they saw him as a man in the other parts of their lives. And yet, in that moment, his glory and his greatness was revealed to them. And what Alice von Hildebrandt shares in this book about this idea of Tabor vision of your spouse is that every one of us is called to that greatness. Every one of us is built and made for that kind of greatness. And inside of our marriages, we're meant to have that vision of our spouse. We're meant to have that greatness in mind, even if they're not living up to it at that particular moment. And even if we're weak and we're not able to see it clearly. I had a beautiful conversation with my husband about this. Actually, over this past weekend, I don't remember why it came up, but we were talking about the the ways in which we respond to one another when we're not getting along or when, you know, we're miscommunicating or even all out fighting over something. And he told me, you know, I don't always articulate it and I don't always, I'm not always good about, you know, putting it at the forefront of my own mind and basing my actions on it. But in those moments, I never see our our badness and our weakness in those moments as who we are. And I never see you as that person, as that miscommunication, that failure, that weakness. He says, you know, I always see who we are as something much bigger and much greater than that. And, you know, that was beautiful. That moved me to tears because I'm not so good about that. (laughs) You know, I'm very much tempted at times, especially if I'm feeling hurt or misunderstood and or treated unfairly. I'm I'm tempted to just live in that moment. And this is all there is. This is who he is. This is what our relationship is. And it's very limiting and it's very humiliating. And um it it feeds into that concept of hardening your heart. Why wouldn't you? He's just a jerk. Why wouldn't you? Your relationship is just a mess. Um, Why wouldn't you harden your heart against that? And yet we're really called to see one another and to see our marriages for the great things that they are, for the great people that we're called to be, to keep in mind that Tabor vision. It's a great gift that you can give to your spouse if you practice having that perspective. You know, make a new habit change that old habit into a new habit 
say a prayer in those weak moments and ask for that taper vision of your spouse. You know, call it what you want. Ask God to help you see your spouse as the person he means him to be, as the person he has the potential to be for the greatness that he's called to instead of the weakness of that particular moment. And what I find is the more I try to do that, the more my eyes are opened to my own weaknesses and the ways in which I'm feeding into the negativity of any given situation inside of my marriage. So really, that's the essence of what I want to share with you here today on the topic of softening your heart inside of your marriage. Harden not your hearts, girls. We we got we to gotta do better than we're doing because, you know, it's not just something I experience inside of my own marriage, though I definitely do. It's things that people share with me, attitudes that um, we, we bring to our relationships that affect us in such detrimental ways. And I think at the heart of it, not to try and make a pun here, is our hearts. That's really what it is. It's it's how we're approaching the relationship, how vulnerable we're willing to be. So those three different concepts I'd like for you to think about this week, being receptive, that idea of being receptive and open and vulnerable inside of your relationship, how, how good are you at that? And then checking what your habits are, checking in on what your communication habits are, what your responses typically are when you feel hurt, and changing those habits, working on replacing some of the bad habits with better ones. And then finally, that idea of Tabor vision of your spouse. Do you have that? What can you do to work on developing it? You know, if, if you're going through a tough time in your marriage, um, maybe going through and remembering some, some older times or reading letters you used to write to each other or looking at old photos can help you to remember the person you saw your spouse for when you first were married. And if this is a good time in your marriage, it's a great time to build that Tabor vision through communication with one another, having conversations with your spouse about who, who God called them to be and who, what God is planning for your marriage. And let me know what your thoughts and your experiences are with regard to hardening your heart and softening your heart inside of your marriage. What what have you experienced with that? Um, what what kinds of things have worked for you? What kinds of things do you notice about your own habits? Share with me your thoughts and your ideas and your experiences. I'd love to bring them to a future podcast. I'd love to talk more about this topic in ways that are meaningful to you. So give me feedback at danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on Voxer and leave me a voice message or go to daniellebean.com and click the tab to leave voice feedback. It's super easy and I would love to hear from you. Hey, Girlfriends listeners, I'd like to tell you about a new way that you can help support production of this podcast. Patreon is a website that enables you to support projects like artwork, music, and podcasts. When you create an account at Patreon, you have the option to pledge your support for the Girlfriends podcast at patreon.com slash girlfriends. You can pledge as little as a dollar per show and set a monthly limit so it never costs more than you're expecting. Your pledge of support not only makes it possible for me to continue to produce the podcast and make it available for free for all, it also can earn you bonus benefits, including access to bonus content. Depending on your level of support, you can receive thank you bonuses like access to monthly Google Hangouts, a personal Skype call, and a free signed copy of my book. Go to patreon.com slash girlfriends to find out all the details about this simple way that you can give me your vote of confidence, your vote of support, and you can help support the Girlfriends Podcast and keep it available for everyone. Your pledge of support means so much. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash girlfriends. Hey, girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. This week, I had the opportunity to talk with Bonnie Angstrom, who, if you are a Fulton Sheen fan, you're going to love hearing from this special mom. Listen up. Hey, everyone. I am happy to be welcoming a special guest here today on Girlfriends. Bonnie Angstrom is here joining us. Bonnie is a writer baker, speaker, and homemaker. She and her husband and six children live in central Illinois, and her son's alleged 
miraculous healing through the intercession of Venerable Fulton J. Sheen was submitted to the Vatican for Sheen's beatification. Bonnie bakes a fantastic chocolate chip cookie. She contributes to Blessed Is She devotionals, blogs at A Knotted Life, that's with a K-N-O-T-T-E-D, anottedlife.com, and co-hosts the Visitation Project radio show. Hey, Bonnie, welcome to Girlfriends. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. It's quite the privilege. So thank you. Oh, I'm honored that you're joining us. And you know, I, I, you know, that little part of your bio really stands out about your son's miraculous healing. So I know you've told this story a thousand times, but maybe before we get to the regular questions, maybe you can just give those who aren't familiar with your story just a, a brief roundup of uh, what, what that's all about. What happened? Yes, sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of an attention grabber, isn't it? <laughs> it is. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, So what happened was in 2010, my son was born at home and he, it was a, it was a planned home birth and we had a really healthy labor and, um, but what happened was there was a knot in his umbilical cord that tightened as he was being born. And when he was delivered, he was a stillborn. And so, um, there was absolutely no signs of life, um, and no heartbeat. And my husband did an emergency baptism there on our bedroom floor and 911 was called while my midwife was doing CPR. Um, when my son James, James Fulton is his name, when he was in the ambulance, he was on a heart monitor and he had no pulse um, at all. They tried giving him drugs to restart his heart. Nothing took. He was in the emergency room, continued to be pulseless on the heart monitor. Um, they finally, nothing was working, so they were finally ready to call time of death. And after being without a heartbeat for 61 minutes, just as they were calling time of death, his heart started to beat again. Um, it just shot right up to a, heart, a healthy heartbeat. Wow. And it never stopped again. And um, so altogether, he was dead for over an hour. Wow. Um, and so because of that, they expected there to be just massive organ failure. And for, you know, they didn't know if he would survive the night or the weekend. But, mm-hmm. you know, he definitely would not live to be a week old just because of the massive organ failure that would happen because, you know, you can't, you can't be dead for an hour Mm -hmm. and then come back to life and live, you know? Right. Right. Um, but that's not what happened. And, you know, during, during the hour when he was, um, without a heartbeat and in the weeks and months that followed my family and our friends and really the whole internet, it seemed like was Mm -hmm. praying for a miracle through Fulton Sheen's intercession. And, um, you know, today James is five years old and he's, you know, pretty much your average normal little five-year-old boy completely. I mean, he has speech, he has a speech delay of sorts and he has allergies and both are things that are totally common in a mm-hmm. five-year-old boy. Sure. Um, so yeah, he just, I mean, it, I truly believe it's a miracle. I truly wow. believe it's a miracle. And so we were able to share that in that story with the Sheen Foundation, and they um, found it to be pretty compelling. So we did a tribunal, and it was officially submitted to the Vatican for Sheen's. Oh my Vatican. gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all for the glory of God. So right. What an astonishing story, though. I mean, I can't even imagine the drama of that. I mean, <laughs> no. how do you? Oh my gosh! Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And his name, I, know, I heard his, his, his middle name is Fulton. Is it James Fulton, you said? Yes, James Okay, Fulton. wonderful. Well, let's continue to pray to Fulton Sheen for James Fulton and in gratitude for that amazing story. That is astonishing. So yeah, that does stand out in your bio just a little bit, but that's not all you do. So let's move on to the questions that we ask everybody who comes on Girlfriends here. And um, the first one, Bonnie, is can you tell us about a time when you really felt like you triumphed? When did you ever first feel a sense of achievement in your work or in your personal life? Yes. Okay. So I thought about this for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it is every time that I bake homemade cinnamon rolls and they turn out right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's totally Sweet true. success. Yes. I had so many failures. Oh, so many. Like I would kill the yeast or whatever. And uh-huh. it's my mom's recipe and she just does an amazing job with them. And so I knew what they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And the first probably 10 times, maybe even more than that, that I tried to make her her cinnamon roll recipe it was just 
really bad. <laughs> so the first time that I got it, it was just this, I mean, a swell of pride in my chest. And, Aww. Yeah. And so, and every time since that I, I am able to actually do that, I feel really like, <sighs> <laughs> And you know what? I think that that's, I love that you shared that because that's the sort of triumph that, that we women love the most, isn't yeah. it? I mean, those little things and those things that have meaning, like your mom baked them and that kind of, we bring that kind of meaning to our, our everyday homemaking tasks and there's yes. all that depth behind them. And so I, I love that that's a significant triumph for you. I, I think every woman can relate whether they enjoy baking or not. Um, just certain homemaking triumphs just mean more than others or, um, and they only come from that kind of practice. And that's the sort of thing, like when I was a a young wife and mom, actually before I was even married, I loved baking. And so that was something that I would really struggle. Like I want to perfect this recipe. I want it to come out just right. And, and what I didn't know at the time when I was being so impatient with myself and with the recipes was that certain things, especially about baking, but about all of, all of family life, just come to you through practice. You just, you have to do it a lot and get comfortable in that, in that action. And that's a, that's a beautiful triumph that you you shared there, Bonnie. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm glad that I had my mom to tell me that she had failed a bunch before she got it right too. Mm -hmm. Because I think I would have just given up had she not been able to say, Bonnie, I, you know, I still will burn the bottom sometimes, you know, (laughs) whatever. So just to have her even say like, you know, that I had put, I had put it on a pedestal, but mm-hmm. that wasn't really necessarily where it was supposed to be. So that was, that was good too. Right. And you know, sometimes we remember things differently from our childhood. Like you, you probably don't remember if your mom ever messed it up and right. <laughs> you just remember the perfection of it. And I remember once one of the most relieving things my mom ever said to me was, you know, my house wasn't always as clean as it is now. Like when you guys were growing up, it wasn't, it wasn't possible. And right. I mean, you know, my mom's the super homemaker housekeeper and her house is always spotless. And so I did sort of um, kind of hold up that standard that maybe wasn't exactly real, you know, <laughs> like she was maintaining that with while raising nine kids at the time. I don't know, probably not. <laughs> but it's so important to share those little things that matter a lot. So that's a great triumph. All right, let's move on to, can you tell us, Bonnie, about a mistake you once made, whether it was professional or personal? And what did you learn from that mistake? Yes. So when I was right out of college, I went to work at a, um, a Newman Center, a campus ministry, Catholic campus ministry, Newman Center. Mm-hmm. And I just came in with all these ideas and my big personality. And um, the, one of the students who is now my husband, he, uh, he, Whoa. Pulled, <laughs> yeah, he pulled me aside one day and he was like, you're kind of like a steamroller. <laughs> And you're just kind of like overwhelming and bombarding and knocking people over with your gusto or whatever. And so that was, um, thank God that he was (laughs) willing to tell me that with great sincerity and and charity. But, um, Mm -hmm. so that, that was a huge, that was a huge lesson for me was, Mm -hmm. um, that I could just, I was trying too hard is what I was doing. And in trying too hard, I wasn't being my real self and, um, and I was turning people off. Um, and, and in doing that, I was not only, um, you know, turning them off from who I was, but also like they didn't really, they weren't, I don't think they were seeking Christ the way that they could have if I would have just been my authentic self. Right. Well, and, and I'm sure that was, you know, coming from your great enthusiasm for the task at hand and just all good motivations there. But sometimes we do need that kind of check and... How nice that your husband to be was able to give it to you. <laughs> yes, it was. And well, and you know, it was. I think it was equal parts um, enthusiasm for what I was doing and insecurity for who I was and if I could actually pull it off. Mm-hmm. So right. I was trying to mask that part instead of maybe just. I think sometimes if we're vulnerable with people, even the people we're supposed to be serving, that there's we we discredit them mm-hmm. if we don't show that side of ourselves. So Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's so true. And, you know, as you're describing that, I was thinking, wow, how far she's come, because I was thinking of the work you do with the Visitation Project on the radio. And that is very much about that kind of vulnerable sharing. And yeah. 
just being real with people, which is what people really connect with. And um, so, yeah, definitely. I, I think you learned a lesson in, uh, in a good way, in a very good way that's obviously still paying off in your life many years later. Well, thank you. And I got a husband out of it. Yeah, so. that's not a bad bonus. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Sounds like he's a good one, too. So yes. <laughs> we'll keep him. That's, That's great. <laughs> okay. Um, so we've got your mistake and we've got your triumph. Now I'd like to hear, Bonnie, what's the best advice you've ever received? Who gave it to you? And how do you try to implement it in your life? Okay. Um, so this is actually advice that I just received um, a, just a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. Wow, now. fresh. Yeah. Yes, it is fresh. And... Um, so I was talking with some of my my other blogging friends about the year of mercy and the the doors of mercy, mm-hmm. you know, how you can walk through a door and then be forgiven of sins or and and I was just kind of like I don't really get it like this I'm just really struggling this seems so I was like, it seems like a guy named Bob one day was like, hey, why don't we just have people walk through a door? And, like, it's great, you know? and I, I was like, it just, you know, I don't get this. And my friend Kendra, um, it's, it's Kendra Tierney. She blogs at Catholic All Year. And she said, Bonnie, you are making it too hard. And she told me that I was being like um, Naaman, who had um, the Syrian who had leprosy, and he was told to go bathe in the river and everything would be you know, he would be cured right. and he would, he didn't want to do it because he was like, bathe in the river. This is, you know, some guy named Bob. Could yeah. Have, you know? <laughs> Just and walk through the door. <laughs> exactly. And his servants were like, if it would have been a great task, you would have done it. But because it's simple, you're going to write it off. And mm-hmm. so when Kendra said that to me, it really, you know, it really struck my heart. And I was like, she's right. That is exactly, that is exactly what I'm doing. I am making it too hard. And if it would have been, um, Sorry, my son just joined us. <laughs> if it would have been something, you know, more difficult. Sure. Yeah. So that was my, and I'm, and honestly, I'm still trying to implement it. I am really trying to, I'm um, kind of understand what mercy is and not only what that means in my life, but then how I'm supposed to take God's mercy for me and, and make it something real and tangible in the people that I encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because sometimes I, I still kind of want to make it hard. I want to go to Africa and save all the babies right. instead of just giving my child a cup of water lovingly, you mm-hmm. know? So, I hear you. Uh, and just knowing that there's merit in turning on the tap instead of like walking four miles to a well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think there is that temptation for all of us. You know, I I always like to think about St. Therese, the little flower who wanted to be this great missionary and then never left, you know, this this tiny little convent. And yet what great, great spiritual accomplishments she achieved. And so important for us to remember that. Uh, So I love that lesson. That is great advice. I I don't know if we can sum it up in a a little nutshell, but that idea of you're trying to make it harder than it is or more complicated than it is. Like God's mercy is a simple thing. It's um, an astonishingly simple thing sometimes. So um, yeah. And you know what? I love that you, you shared that very honest reaction to the whole year of mercy door thing, (laughs) because I still, I mean, I'm a cradle Catholic. Like this is like stuff that I've grown up knowing and accepting and loving and cherishing forever. And yet I still will have those moments where I'm like, what? Like, (laughs) um, wait a minute. Okay. So we walk through the door, like, okay. And especially when I'm trying to explain it to someone else, like outside the church or or somebody who's new to the church, I'll sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, this sounds like hocus pocus, you know? And, and yet it is that simple that, you know, God can use whatever he can use a door or he could just not use the door. Like he could do, have you do nothing. Like that's, it's not about what we're doing. The the we doing part is all for our sake, really. Exactly. So important. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me see. I think we're just going to, we're going to move on here. Um, I think we can quickly fit in another question though, before your lightning round. So maybe Bonnie, can you share something that people might be surprised to find out about you? Yes. I think they'd be surprised to know that I was in a beauty pageant and I came in in second place. Nice. (laughs) Was this in Illinois? Where where was it? Yeah. I mean, it was just really rink-a-dink, not to insult the person who beat me, but uh, (laughs) it was the like, you know, small town, um, you know, summer festival, carnival, 
and they had a, a little beauty pageant. So oh my yeah. gosh, now did you get like a sash and everything? Like I did. Where I did. is this photo? What on earth? Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I have a photo. If I do, it's like an actual picture that's you know somewhere, not stored electronically. Right, you'd have to scan um, it, but totally yes. worth the scan. I need to see this photo of Bonnie <laughs> with the sash. Were you wearing like an evening gown, or was no, it? No, I was not wearing an evening <laughs> gown. It, it was so funny. I don't know. So that was. That is the best. That is the best. I love that. I love that. Pageants are like hilarious to me and yet such a a funny part of of our culture that's today. Like I I think it's the best. So yeah, I'm going to be calling up your family members, Bonnie, to get get a hold of that photo because obviously Facebook needs that photo. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why you're holding out on us. Probably not. They probably don't. I love it. Okay, well, we've got just enough time to fit in your lightning round now. So, um, are you ready for 60 seconds of fun, fast questions, Bonnie? Yes, I am. All right. So, without further delay, here we go with Bonnie Angstrom's lightning round on the Girlfriends podcast. All right. Bonnie, when you get a rare moment alone, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? Chocolate. Look, very good. That's a common answer. All right. What's your favorite TV show? Um, Doctor Who. Okay. Um, favorite Fulton Sheen quote? Oh, um, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but the one where he says that sometimes the only way the good Lord can get into our heart is to break it a little bit. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm going to look that up. Beautiful. Okay. Um, tell us something you're surprisingly bad at. Card games. (laughs) Okay. Coffee or tea? Um, both. Okay. Twitter or Facebook? Facebook. And what has surprised you most about being a mom to kids? Um, okay, my first answer was the amount of poop. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. Okay. Very good. Surprising amounts. Yes. yes. Surprising <laughs> amounts of bodily fluids. All right. Last one. Years from now, St. Bonnie Engstrom will be the patron saint of what? People who put their foot in their mouth. Okay, perfect. Love it. That's a great lightning round. What a lot of fun getting to know you just a little bit more there. I really appreciate it, Bonnie. Thank, thank you. That was a blast. Yeah, great. Well, listen, I, I want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing with all the girlfriends here today. But also, thanks for all the work that you do. I mean, everything that you do through your family life and that you you do for promoting Venerable Sheen's cause, I mean, it's just, it's so inspiring. But then also what you share at the blog and what you share with the Visitation Project, which I'll put a link in the show notes to all those different things you're doing so people can check out all that good work. But thanks for all that you do, Bonnie. You really are an inspiration. I really appreciate those words. Thank you, Danielle. And you too. You are a godsend. Oh, thanks. Well, always good feelings going back and forth here at girlfriends and i love when our guests come on and share so openly and beautifully as you did so thank you again and god bless you and your family bonnie thanks for coming on so how cool is that to get to talk to someone who is so closely connected to the cause for the canonization of venerable fulton sheen He's one of my favorites. If you're not familiar with him, you can even check him out on YouTube because he was a TV star. And you can find these great clips. He shares beautifully about the faith, but he has such a a keen observation about the human experience and speaks beautifully about women, about motherhood, about what the world needs today. So um, I encourage you to check that out and also check out all the links to what Bonnie's up to um, in the show notes at daniellebean.com for this episode number 20. Now it's time for a little bit of feedback. Um, First of all, I want to give thanks to Jillian, who is our newest supporter on Patreon.com. You heard that little piece explaining what Patreon was earlier in the show. But if you haven't already, I encourage you to check it out, not just for the Girlfriends podcast, but for all the different things that you can support there. I'm a supporter of different podcasts that I enjoy, that I want to encourage, that I think are worth that vote of support, that vote of confidence, that, hey, yeah, I, you know, a dollar per episode. And it gives them that boost that I appreciate what you're doing. I value the work you're producing, and I'm willing to return some value in kind for that. So you can check it out at patreon.com slash girlfriends. Many thanks to Jillian, who's our newest supporter there. I'd love to give you a shout out next week for being our newest supporter. So check it out at patreon.com slash girlfriends, and you can become a supporter there. 
I also want to thank David from Motown and Pam, who left reviews on iTunes for the Girlfriends podcast this week. David calls Girlfriends a gem of a podcast. I do believe that's the same David who's also a Patreon supporter who sent the wonderful uh, email feedback last week. So David's a real supporter of Girlfriends. And in a way that makes him a supporter of all of us, you know, all of us ladies, he's making it possible for us to get together and connect and share in this way that we value um, in this unique way. Um, also, Pam, she says, listen to Girlfriends. Danielle has a winner with her Girlfriends podcast. She gets it and knows the struggles that spiritual moms with many children face. Gosh, wonder why I'd know that. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, because that's another way. Um, if you're not able to financially contribute to the production of the podcast, that's okay. There are other ways that you can support the podcast, that you can give me that vote of encouragement. And um, one of those ways, as David and Pam did this week, is leaving that review on iTunes. That really helps us to... Um, get ranked higher in iTunes, um, put the podcast in front of more potential viewers. So that's another great way you can support the Girlfriends podcast. You can support it by giving me your feedback, letting me know what you value in the show, what kind of guests you might like to have in uh, future episodes. I hear from people all the time um, who tell me they like the show. They they sometimes tell me what interviews they've liked. Um, but I always am open to hearing your requests for who you might like for me to talk to on the show, the different kinds of perspectives you might like to see represented on future shows. Listen up, girlfriends. It's time for the weekly challenge. We got this. Of course, this week we're talking about softening your heart. Harden not your heart. And the ways in which practicing this, focusing on this perspective can bless your marriage. So um, just reviewing the topics we talked about, first of all, that idea of being receptive, making yourself vulnerable inside of your marriage, checking on your habits. Do you have good ones? Do you have bad ones? How can you replace some of the bad ones with better ones? And the idea of that Tabor vision of your spouse that that you're called to have, that, that vision you're supposed to have of the person he's meant to be, and how that can really bless your marriage and help you to not harden your heart inside of that relationship. So keeping those in mind, I'm going to challenge you this week to pick one of those to focus on in the coming week. Make an effort, whatever it is, if you're going to do something, if you're going to say something, if you're going to change something, if you're going to not do something or not say something, sometimes that's the way in which we soften our hearts, isn't it? You know, sometimes the ways in which we need to soften ourselves is by shutting the heck up and not saying the thing that's on the tip of your tongue. So whatever your particular situation is, whatever your particular challenge is, um, we all have room for improvement inside of our marriages. So this week's challenge is to pick one of those that we talked about and to think in the coming week inside of your marriage about ways in which you can soften your heart, ways in which you can harden not your heart in a way that's really going to bless your marriage relationship. That's all the time I have for this week. I'm so happy you've been able to join me for this episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Your presence, your just showing up here week after week is so very encouraging to me. Thank you for all the ways that you support and continue to support Girlfriends. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.